Interest rates are one of the biggest factors that affect your ability to finance a home purchase. Along with your credit score and employment history, the amount of interest you pay on the loan has a big impact on affordability. On today's episode, we talk with Rich Davis, who has spent the last 25 years in the mortgage industry, along with my good friend and client, Dane. We discuss the current advertised rates we're seeing on every other billboard and how to interpret those rates and what it means for your own borrowing power. We also get real practical about the costs associated with your rate and something called points. Dane shares about his own experiences starting the process of buying and building his first home, and we talk all about credit scores and the myths about shopping for a mortgage rate. Rich and Dane leave you with their number one tip and advice for those who are thinking about buying. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Virtual Neighborhood. I'm Nicole Roby, your community expert real estate agent, and this is a podcast where all your buying, selling, and homeownership questions are answered. Here we get practical about the homeownership process and talk with experts in the field so that you can feel confident and prepared to make the largest investment in your life. Well, I'm excited for you to hear from one of my favorite lenders today, Rich Davis from Prime Lending. And along with Rich, we have got Dane here, and he is a friend and a client of mine who has just started the process of building his first townhome with his new wife. A lot of new things for you, Dane. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. How has that been? Um, So far, so good. It's still pretty new, Um, but yeah, we're super excited to have our own space right now we're in a basement yes um saving money which is great but it's we're excited to have our own space for sure yeah i bet and um and rich here you have been someone that i have called for both personal and professional advice when it comes to our own home we just recently refinanced with you why don't you tell us a little bit about your background well i have been in the mortgage industry for 25 years now which I hate to say because <laughs> that tells you kind of how you've been old I am legally and, allowed to work for right, at least that long. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not my first career. So um, I've been a, a producing branch manager most of my career, um, always producing. So, and a lot of training other loan officers. So I take my craft very seriously and teach people how to um, not really sell, but to educate. Yes. And, and um, like with Dane, it's, it's just about an education process. I try to provide enough information that uh, they can make educated decisions. Yeah, you know, that's something that I really appreciate about your services too, because that's something that I'm passionate about. And in my own business goals, I want to educate my clients and my friends as well. And so I love working with you. I love that aspect that you enjoy as well. Yeah, it can so. be a scary process, as, as Dane can probably <laughs> attest to, right? Yeah. So, and that's the unknown and the fear and the lack of knowledge, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, that the, the true non-derogatory term of ignorance, right? right You're right. ignorant to the process. So if you can have someone explain the terms, explain the process, so that you don't have to have blind faith in the person that you're dealing with. Yeah. You're, you're getting the information. You can make those educated decisions. Yeah. And I thought it would be appropriate that we start here. I kind of launched this podcast speaking with you because the first step really in the home buying process is to speak with a lender. And I know a lot of my buyers, when I bring this up to them, um, they they kind of don't want to talk to you. Like, it's kind of scary. Uh, Dane, did you experience that when you were like, wait a minute, I got to talk to a lender first? Like, what was oh, that yeah. like? I felt like I was telling every, like some random person that I've never met my entire life story. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, typing in my social <laughs> yeah. onto the uh, application website, like it was kind of daunting at first, but then, you know, you just kind of have to realize like 
this is just a process, and the only reason why I'm probably scared of it is because I don't understand it. Right. And um, so, yeah, I people like Rich have been really helpful and really comforting through all of, all of the personal information that you have to give out. So, yeah. 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 And Rich, why is that? You know, why? I mean, I, I tell my buyers all the time. It's not it's not set in stone. I think they think once they contact you, they click on they apply for the loan, you know, the application process starts. They think they're locked in. They think it is what it is. Like they can't back out, but that's not true, right? No, not at all. And I think that's I think it's there's two folds to that and I think you both hit on them. One is you feel like you're being committed to the process if you've started that application. Because it's like, you know, I filled out an application for a job or I filled out an application for something else. That means I want to move forward. And you may not be at that point yet. On the other hand, also, like you said, you're getting essentially, you know, naked in front of somebody else financially, (laughs) right? And that's awkward. I mean, that's, I think that's a good analogy is that, you know, I know everything about you financially, everything once our, once we get through the process. And, um, that's scary because we, I think as human beings keep our financial situation private. Totally. And a lot of us have a checkered past, so to speak. And sometimes that's embarrassing. And that's, I think, because of some of those things, I think that's why it's so important that talking to the lender, getting your mortgage started first is so important mm-hmm. because if you wait until I've already gone out and looked at houses, Ugh, then you're already the you're already behind the eight ball yeah, because there's so... things we could have done to improve your situation. As, as you remembered, Dane, where you guys are building, you have some time. I, I think I still gave you advice on if you guys are doing these particular things between now and the time the house is done, you're going to be in a better situation right. opposed to just being in the situation you were in if you waited until the house was six weeks out. Right. I think the other thing is too is going out looking at houses is fun. It's so fun. It's the okay? funnest part. Doing paper doing paperwork and filling out a more or a mortgage application, that's not fun. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So And like who like I know you're supposed to, it's responsible, but to find your tax returns, where are those in your house? Like do you, people right. are like, I know I have them, but where are they? Yeah, I was definitely stressed trying to get all that stuff together like butt cheek squeezy mode all day (laughs) because there's just so many forms that you're like, where did I put that in the house? And um, yeah, it takes a lot of time to put together, but it's. So I look at it as therapy because I'm teaching you how to be (laughs) organized later in life. Yeah. Yeah. All your, your important financial documents will now be filed appropriately where you can get them at any moment. My problem is getting them out for things like this and then having to remember to put them back. So the next time I need them, they're where I found them the last time I needed them. Well, fortunately we're moving to the electronic age, right? So everything's going to be stored electronically. Yes. Which is, you know, a little bit scary to that, but you know, are you going to have everything in your Google drive or your OneDrive or whatever you're using and you know, boom, I can pull up my taxes. I can pull up, I save my W-2s there. Yeah. I download my, uh, you know, you download your bank statements because no one receives your bank statements, you know, yeah. any, in the mail anymore. Man, if I was a, if I was like a cool podcast, I'd have a sponsor injected right there for whatever cloud storage you were talking right, about. Right, exactly. I gotta, huh? I gotta yeah. find a sponsor there you go. for there. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, there are so many aspects to the loan process and something that, you know, time and time again, every client I have, it's so personal to their situation, their circumstances, their finances. But um, I want to kind of focus in on what I've been seeing, which are these billboards all over Salt Lake Valley, all over Utah County, 
about these incredibly low, awesome mortgage rates. Um, I have been seeing them literally out every billboard, I feel like, is a mortgage rate advertisement. And so I want to talk about that and kind of how we get our rate and how it ultimately affects uh, the affordability of the home we want to buy. So advertised rates. Rich, tell me, can I just call you up? Um, I think the one that I saw this week was around 2.48%. Can I call you up and be like, Rich, saw the rate. Let's do this thing. Sign me up. Um, Technically, the short answer is yes, you could. Okay. But there's a lot End more of into podcast. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, as you said, there's a lot of, you know, it's uniqueness and personal information. And it's, it's quite frankly, I get a lot of the, um, I spoke to my friend or a coworker got this. Okay? Right, well, right. Their, their situations are unique. And all of those billboards, I see those and I look at those and I just shake my head as I drive by. Why um, is that? Because it's, I don't want to say it's misrepresentation. Sure. We are heavily regulated when it comes to advertising. Yeah. So they are completely above board. But um, a lot of those situations can be less than 10% of the people would actually get that those particular terms mm-hmm. that they're seeing on the rate. Mm-hmm. Um, There's really small writing on the billboard that I can't see from my car. Right. And when you see interest rates, first of all, come in even one-eighth increments. So if you have three three and an eight, three and a quarter, three and three eighths, and so on. And um, it's usually expressed in a decimal, not a fraction. Right. Right. So it's 0.125, 0.25, 0.375, fourth grade grade fractions. (laughs) Converting decimals. So what you're seeing generally is the APR. And APR is a whole other thing. You know, we'll Mm -hmm. probably hit that on a different topic. Yes. Um, But what it's doing is it's saying, here's the interest rate, plus you have these closing costs to get to that. And... Interest rate is not just, hey, here's the interest rate. Mm -hmm. When I pull up my rates, my base rate, I could get you anything from, say, two and a quarter to 6%. And everyone's like, well, sign me up for the two and a quarter. And why the heck would anyone want 6%? Right. Well, there's risk adjustments to the interest rate. And that's based upon the lender. When I say the lender, it's going to be more of the investor, whoever that final investor is in the mortgage. They have risk adjustments, and we'll use the terms Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Those are the government-sponsored mortgage companies, um, the two big ones that set basically all the rules or guidelines for how mortgages work. And they're like, okay, so that interest rate that you see on the billboard, well, that's if it's a purchase or a rate and term refinance. And there's basically three types of mortgages, purchase, rate and term refinance, or cash out refinance. Mm -hmm. Rate and term refinance is I'm only refinancing my existing mortgage and rolling potentially rolling my closing costs into the new loan. Cash out is I'm pulling equity out of my home to either pay off a home equity line, pay off credit cards, pull cash out for home improvement, debt consolidation, weddings, college, whatever. So a purchase and a rate and term refinance are going to have the lowest risk. So um, there's going to be a less. You're just getting a smaller mortgage. You're getting a smaller amount mortgage, and there's more equity in the home. Right. If you're pulling your equity out of the home, which is what the lender has as their security, mm-hmm. then they have more risk because there's less equity. If you were to, you know, if you mortgage the house out to 100%, which you can't do, but just say theoretically, and things got tough, it's easy to walk away. It's kind of like being a renter. Right, right. Where if you have 40% equity, you're not going to walk away because if you have, you know, $400,000 house and you've got $140,000, $160,000 in there, you're not going to walk away from that. You're going to either sell it or figure out how to make your payments. Right. Which is why we say 
get in the game, be a homeowner because you can leverage your equity. That's that's part of right. your overall, you know, financial portfolio. Right. Yeah. So what you're seeing those rates are those are the the perfect situation. Yeah. So it's going to be that you have forty percent equity. It's a rate and term refinance or a purchase. And you don't know, you can't really tell if you're paying points or not. Mm-hmm. Points are built into the APR, but those points you pay up front are amortized over the 30 years of the loan. So it right. has a small effect on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm going to just use an example. Say if today's rate is three, I said you can get two and a quarter. Well, can you still get two and a quarter? Sure you can, but you might have to pay four points for it. Well, what's a point? One percent of your loan amount. So a $100,000 loan, you got to pay an extra 4000 and that adds up quick. That adds up quick. And you have to evaluate the money I pay up front versus that payment savings. Right. How long does it take to pay back that four grand? Mm-hmm. If it takes six years to pay it back, it's probably not worth it to pay those points. Right. Because right now the national average is people move about every six years. Yeah. So you have to weigh the length of. Yeah. So you're going to lose money. You paid, you got this two and a quarter percent rate. You can brag to all your friends. You have this really low payment. <laughs> but if you sold the house in five years, you actually lost money. Right. Right. So, Dean, what what was your thought when you first got into, okay, I think we want to buy a house. I think we can. I think we're ready. How much did the rate play into your decision? Or were you thinking about it? Was it even something that you thought was important? Like, when did that come up in your brain? Um, I was really reluctant. Um, I think you might remember. Mac was all in, my wife. Um, and we looked at our finances and Mm -hmm. said, okay, we can actually do this. And the rate, um, they've just been decreasing. Right. I work at a bank. I'm just a teller. So (laughs) I don't, I don't know a whole lot, but we see every day the rate is fluctuating and decreasing. And even my boss just said, you know, they're, they're going down. They're pretty low. And now is probably a good time. And since we, um, put our earnest money down, I think our base price has already gone up like ten yeah. ten thousand dollars. Yeah, with building too, the that yeah. base price every two weeks can raise yeah. two to five thousand. Yeah. So that played into the decision of kind of this delayed gratification as okay, we're getting in now and it doesn't feel like we're ready. Right. But we actually are and we're seeing the equity go up and we're not even moved in yet. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were like researching, did you see these billboards with the crazy low rates? All the time. And so I'm curious, what was the conversation? Did you call Rich and be like, Hey, uh, two and a half. That sounds pretty good. Like, how did that go? Um, I thought about it (laughs) and then I realized, well, I'm, you know, I, I don't have that long of a credit history. It probably won't even be worth the call. (laughs) Um, but that's just my personality. Yeah. I just kind of overthink things all the time. So I didn't even say, hey, get me that two and a half. Right. And then you're good. We got a deal. Let's do this. So Got to work on your negotiation skills. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in, in Dane's situation, the house isn't going to be done until spring. Yeah, yeah. That's another piece too. So you can't. You can't necessarily say, I want to lock in an interest rate. I mean, you can lock in an interest rate today. For you know something that's going to be six eight months out, totally. but there's going to be a premium associated with that. Right. And I liken it to I'll use Microsoft stock. You know, it's, it's like what Microsoft stock is today. Six months from now, it's not the same price. Right. Right. So you can't look at a price and then three days later call your stockbroker and say I want to buy this stock at that price. No, you have to buy it at that current day's price. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize is, like you've already alluded to, Dane, is that interest rates fluctuate. 
and they're traded on the on a market similar to a stock market. So every morning I get my rates, and if there's enough volatility in the market, I will get a rate change midday, wow. and sometimes multiple rate changes. Right. When the whole COVID thing first came in, we were having four to six rate changes in one day because the markets were so volatile. And when I say rate change, rates either improve or rates worsen. And they were doing both, sometimes during the same day. And what's what was normal before COVID? Like how often were rates changing? For the most part, we would get a rate in the morning. That rate would be good all day. If we saw um, a fairly large movement, we would get maybe one rate change during the day. Wow. So from one to six, it just... And I remember yeah. I had I had some buyers who were you know, just in that beginning stages. And it's like you call in the morning and by 2 p.m., it's completely different, changed all of their circumstances. Yeah. It was just a crazy. And it was difficult because you know, I would talk to a client in the morning and then they'd, you know, they'd do their due diligence mm-hmm. and they'd call around and then they'd come, ba- come back to me and say, I want that rate. I'm like, well, that rate's no longer available. Right. Hey, let's talk about that. Let's talk about shopping a rate. When we talk about that, I think... I think one of the most common things that I hear from my buyers are about their credit score. Either they've worked really hard several months to build their credit score up to just do that bare minimum qualification or people who've been protecting their credit score so that they can get the best rate. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing I hear is like, I don't want to, I don't want all these lenders to run my score and jack up my credit. Like, what does that actually look like on the lender side of things? Does it hurt someone's credit to shop for a rate? Um, For a mortgage rate, no. If you're shopping for like refinancing your car, buying your car, and credit cards, I say, are the the evil empire of credit scores. You know, every time you apply for a credit card, your credit score is going to drop down for multiple reasons. One, because of the inquiry, and then two, because you have a brand new account. Mm-hmm. Mortgage pulls are quite different. Um, you could actually have four mortgage companies pull your credit within a week's period, and they're all going to get the identical score. Mm-hmm. And all other things being equal, I could pull your credit again 30 days from now. And if you hadn't changed anything else in your credit, you hadn't paid any bills down, you didn't have a late payment, you didn't open any new lines, I would still get the identical score. So as far as mortgages go, it's it's a myth that it's going to hurt. Now, so in reality, you could call four mortgage companies, they could you could do four full applications and they could pull your credit and quote you the rate. And it's not going to have a negative effect on you. Other than think about it though, you had to fill out four applications to get right. your credit pulled, right? <laughs> so in reality, if, if you get your credit pulled by one lender and they give you what your three scores are, from one, the one from each bureau, you can at that point then have a conversation with another lender and get a quote based upon the criteria you're now telling them. Mm-hmm. I'm putting 5% down or 20% down. I have a 714 credit score. You know, and the all of these things, and they can truly quote you without f- forcing you. I hate to use that word, but sure. or encouraging you <laughs> to because that you know when you do the application, you feel somewhat committed to the right, situ- right. to the to that loan officer at that point. So they're always going to push for that application. But you can say no. You can say no, yeah. and you and they're going to pull your credit. And now some lenders are going to say, "Well, you don't want to get your credit checked," which is true. But not by other mortgage companies. That's okay. So they're going to say, don't get your credit checked. So now they're locking you into them because mm-hmm. you're now paranoid to call Rich and have him check your credit too. Right. But so, I can truly quote you a rate based upon the criteria that the other lender has already told you that you got on your credit report. So is there a window of when it does and when it doesn't hurt 
like is there is there a time frame that all of these other lenders can pull your credit without it quote unquote hurting your credit as people would say I would say 30 days no problem at all in my experience even if it's outside of 30 days it's, it has nominal effect and when I say nominal, I'm t- maybe a point or two, but we don't. I can't really say if that's because of the mortgage pull or because other things have changed on your credit profile. Like you owed a thousand on your credit card, and now you owe fifteen hundred. That could have a negative effect on your right, credit right. on your credit score. So if you put five hundred bucks more on your credit card because you went on vacation or whatever the reason you used it for, when I pull your credit again thirty days from now. Is it because of the other inquiries or is it because of the other model changes on your credit score? It's so touchy. So I say like. don't you don't need to worry about it. And it's also dependent on loan program because your conventional loans, your interest rate or your score is based upon every 20 points of, of what your score is. So if you hit 740 and above, you're in the top tier. If you have an 800 credit score and you lose 20 points, nobody cares. If, as long as you stay over 740, you're in that top tier. Interesting. And, and that's, that's going to get you the best rate available, that'll get you the no best matter rate, what lender. No matter what lender, no matter what, what program on the conventional loans. FHA loans or VA loans, it's 680. So as long as you're at 680 or 681, doesn't matter if you have an 800 credit score. You're going to get the same rate as that person that had the 680. So when we're out driving around, it's in the back of our brains like, oh man, like, I've been hearing a lot of talk about the market, especially with COVID, this pandemic going on. Some people are selling because they're scared. Some people refinancing because the rates are good. But we see those billboards. Ultimately, we should be thinking that's a good gauge. Like that, maybe that's a rate that we can investigate more. But like, what should that information tell us when we're looking around and we're seeing these crazy low rates? Like, how should we consider that in our own home buying experience? Um, I'm going to sarcastically say put blinders on and don't look at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because still look at the road. Right. Just not yeah. Look at, yeah. Look at the road. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road. Don't look at the billboard because you're going to rear end somebody. Um, <laughs> and that's what it'll feel like right. when you call rich and it's not the rate you get. <laughs> right. And, um, like I said, there's, there's lots of factors. And if I can just go on a quick tangent, um, quick in a rocket mortgage, they're the same thing. I use them as an analogy all the time because they're online. They're easy to go take a look at opposed to you and I meeting on the side of the freeway somewhere looking at that one specific billboard and reading the fine print, right? So I'll say, okay, look, here's my rate with my closing costs. Well, Rocket Mortgage or Quicken, again, they're the same company. Here's their rate they're quoting with their closing costs. Well, let's take a look at the fine print. Well, they're requiring you to have at least 30% down. They're actually charging you two and a half points, right? When I'm not charging you any points. Which is, again, 1% of your loan Correct. Amount. So they're charging you two and a half percent of your loan amount. So Which co- which is cash you owe, right? At closing. Yes, extra money it's out of closing. Just, you can't or, add it to your loan. Right. Or on a refinance that's coming out of your equity. Right. right? Your loan amount is increasing. Um, because what most consumers are interested in is what's my interest rate and what's my payment. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that are important to them. They totally pass over the closing costs. So do you want $3,500 in closing costs or do you want $10,000 in closing costs? Well, everybody wants, everybody wants the 3500 but right. they want the 3500 and that 2.5% interest rate. You can't have both. There's a cost associated with the money. Right. It's kind of like I'm buying a new car and I'm trading mine in. Well, I want $5,000 for my trade-in. Well, you know the car dealership, your car is only worth 3000 but you want five. Guess where that $2,000 is going to go mm-hmm. on top of the new car? 
right? right. Um, so it's that similar situation, not in a deceptive way, but but still it's that how that works. So when you look at that fine print, I say, okay, look, Quicken is showing the two and a half points at this interest rate. Let's assume you were putting the 30% down. Let me charge you two and a half points and let me show you what rate I would give you. Oh, look, my rate is lower than what Quicken was going to offer you. And Quicken is known for that bargain basement best rate stuff. Yeah. It's really not the case. But back to what the consumers are looking for, I worked for a company previously that had a large internal call center where they would go out and call people. And they were teaching us in the field that we're in retail, where we're involved with realtors and and clients face-to-face, is that instead of us quoting rates at zero points, we should be quoting rates with one and a half points Mm. because the rate is lower and that's what most people's hot button is, is that rate. And that's what the internal sales team did and they had a much greater success. Mm. And from a sales standpoint, I understand that. But from a relationship advisor standpoint, if you're going to pay that point and a half, you're going to do it because we've done a financial analysis and you're making that determination whether that is best for your particular financial situation not me just trying to sell you this $5,000 mattress over this $800 mattress. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming today, hanging out with me in the studio. Uh, before we go, Rich, what would be your number one tip for someone who wants to be a homeowner one day? What would you say? Like, here's the number one thing. The minute you have that inkling, you want to talk to me. Yeah. Information is power. So that Again, I can I can find out where your situation is, and we can put you on a game plan to be ready. Even if you're thinking I'm six months, I'm going to be six months out, or I want to do these certain things first. I want to pay off these certain things first. Talk to me first. Let's make sure we're moving your money and doing the things that are appropriate to put you in the best situation for when you actually are ready. There's no commitment. There's no cost to to talk to me about that. But if you wait until you think you're ready or until you've done your self-diagnosis of your financial situation and your self-treatment. WebMD version of real estate. (laughs) You're dying. Yes. (laughs) It's brain cancer. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, they go see you, Nicole, and then they go see houses and then they're excited. Can we still get them a loan? Most definitely. But we could have got them a better loan had we had a chance to counsel them three months previously or six months previously. And there are clients literally that I talk to and it takes them two years to get ready. But at least they have direction of someone who's giving them professional expert advice Mm -hmm. opposed to them just Google imaging the rash on their arm and figuring out what kind of cream (laughs) they should put on it, right? Right. So that's self-diagnosis. Right. So, Dane, what about you? What's one piece of advice you'd give to a young person? Maybe they're not even thinking about buying a house right now, but something that you think this would be like if I had to redo it or something that you're happy that you did, what what would be your advice to that person? Yeah, for my wife and I, we there's a lot of unanswered questions and that drums up a lot of uncertainty and ultimately makes us scared. Um and thank God for phones yeah. because <laughs> I can just call, you know, my my lender or or Rich or somebody whoever's helping me. Right. And once I get clarity, I'm good. I'm good to go. So ask all and, the questions. Right. Yes. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions because one, it's their job. And two, they are in it for you as well. Mm-hmm. They want you to be happy um, so that when you move in, you look back and you're like, I am glad that that went smoothly. Mm-hmm. It could have gone a thousand other ways. 
Um, so yeah, just don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, something that I tell my clients, like I love to educate you. I'm your advocate. And then mm. I want to celebrate with you. And totally. I work for you. Like you get to boss me around. My phone's yeah. on 24 seven. I know that's the same for Rich too. So right. that's great advice. Ask any and all questions that pop into your head. Well, I tell most of my clients, and I may have told Dane this as well, is when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat, stressing about something and you have a question, send me an email or send me a text. Yeah. Even at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm not going to respond to it. Let's be real. Okay. <laughs> right. My ringer is off, mm -hmm. but I will probably have your answer before you finish brushing your teeth in the morning. Yes. But that way, your brain will let you go back to sleep. Because if you have this question and it woke you up, you're going to either be thinking about it all night or you're going to be trying, making sure that you want to remember to ask me in the morning. Just ask right. me now. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's another thing to take into consideration is make sure that you find somebody who makes you feel like they are willing to help you and actually answer your questions. And has, as Dave Ramsey says, a heart of a teacher yeah. Um, because the people that don't want to answer your questions are probably not the people that you should be working with. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I love learning with you. And if you've got questions or just want to join the conversation, head on over to at Nicole Roby Real Estate on Facebook or Instagram. I'd love to connect with you there. And until next time, this is Nicole Roby, your community expert real estate agent.